Inner Voice. A heartfelt chat with Dr. Fujian. Eliminate stress, reduce anxiety, and decrease depression. Dr. Fujian Zane's awareness integration theory has helped thousands like you get incredible life-changing results. The Fujian app gives you her evidence-based treatment in the palm of your hand. Download today. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Inner Voice Podcast, a heartfelt chat with my guests and you beautiful, beautiful listeners and viewers. I'm Dr. Fujian Zane. I'm a psychotherapist, author, and the originator of the Awareness Integration Theory. And it's so great to be with all of you today. Um, I want to share with you um, about some of our books that are coming for um Recently, for uh, the awareness integration theory, uh, just go to my website, fujanzane.com. You're going to have um, Life Reset, which is all for you guys who want to go through journaling and look at every area of your life. You have the awareness integration theory book, which is about all of you coaches, all of you uh, mental health uh, clinicians, all of you psychotherapists who want to take this book and um, learn how to work with this with your clients and we do have certification programs for coaches and psychotherapists so they can become a certified uh, AIT practitioners and we also have the book intentional parenting for all of you amazing parenting uh, gurus whether you're a parent or uh, a teacher or a grandparent and dealing with children from infancy all the way to kind of adulthood and every chapter is written from a perspective of how to be with your child in their natural stages and how to use the awareness integration theory um, for this purpose. So please um, just uh, go to the website and get those. And I love to chat with you about them. In this episode, I chat with Aline Hayquist. She has been motivated by the pain of her own childhood to become a lawyer in order to stand up for victims of abuse. She founded her own firm um, and in San Diego in 2008, which has helped hundreds of other women stand up for themselves. Alreen has challenged high profile entities, including uh, Salk Institute, Trader Joe's, Kaiser Permanente, and the San, the San Diego Sheriff's Department and the President-elect. Um, Alreen's core message is that as a society, we need to break the silence and help women stand up to their abusers. In 2023, she broke her own silence and published her story in the book, Fired Up, Feeling Triumph from Trauma. We talk about this book. We talk about her experiences, her childhood experiences with her family. And what, how was it to be able to share even that with her family? What has she gone through? How does she you know, uh, sees also the trace of this in her own marriage and as she grows up and how she turned that fire inside and the rage inside about all of this into shifting it and supporting women across the world in order to be able to, um, you know, educate by her experience, educate women uh, for them to also take a stand for themselves and, and move up and do all of that. And it was amazing conversation. It was a heartfelt conversation. We both shared a lot of the experiences as we've shared some of the experiences in our childhood. And, uh, you know, for people who have been through this awareness integration, a theory and therapy, it is a trauma informed. And, you know, every day in my practice, 
I work with people who have been abused physically and sexually and how they can heal their trauma through that. So um, go to uh, www.alreen.com in order to get to know her and uh, get to know her book. And um, I'm positive that you will experience and enjoy this conversation, uh, this heartfelt conversation uh, between her and I. Subscribe to my podcast, my YouTube channel. Connect with me through my website, fujanzain.com or any of the social media. It's all Dr. Fujan Zain. Um, if you want to know more about the app, Fujan app, which is um, here for you to go through 30 areas of your life and really experience becoming aware, becoming integrating, creating goals and setting up, kind of living in the present, becoming aware of your present moment, cleaning the past and really shooting to the future, envisioning it, and just becoming a new you, which is fulfilled with life. Um, you can get Fujon app from Apple Store or Google Play, anywhere you know you get usually your apps. And uh, you can also go to fujon.com to get to know about the app and, and go through that and, and download it also. I love to hear from you. So no matter what, connect with me. Tell me what topics uh, you want me to talk about. If you have questions, share it with me and I'll come back and share it, share uh, with you the, the answers or the experts and bring you uh, what you're needing and wanting. So without further ado, this is Alreen. Eliminate stress, reduce anxiety, and decrease depression. Dr. Fujian Zane's awareness integration theory has helped thousands like you get incredible life-changing results. The Fujian app gives you her evidence-based treatment in the palm of your hand. Download today. Alreen Hayquist, it is so nice to have you on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. I um, went through uh, your wonderful book and um, it really landed on me, fired up, uh, fueling triumph from trauma. Um, I've, you know, it was a lot of experiences uh, that I can't say personally, I've gone through what you have gone, but very similar. So as I was going through your um, sharing all that was going on personally with you, um, and then the way you looked at it, the way that you wrote it, it really, really touched my heart. So I, and I really want us to be able to um, to deliver this to everybody who's listening or viewing us to get to know what where you went from your own experience and your experiences with different types of abuse and how you turned that, that around and you uh, you know made it into a strength versus being a victimized you know holding the victimized essence of it and how from there you're taking a stand for moving forward yeah, thank you. What, what, what do you want to, want to start with? Do you want me to start with the story and a um, little bit of background or? Sure. You've talked about the, the silence that we kept. And um, for example, what I read from you, which was really touching for me, and this is maybe where you want to start. You, you wrote, I was always told that I, if I opened my mouth, it was just too much, that I should shut it and keep it shut. My therapist calls what was going on in my family a cult because no one outside our family knew about the violence and the abuse. 
So let's share from that perspective first. Yeah. So, um, you know, I was, I'm the youngest of 10 kids and my dad was abusive. I mean, I was terrified of him all growing up and he was abusive, you know, emotionally and verbally and physically and sexually. And then there's my mom, you know, who is there to protect you. And she just stayed silent. She knew what was going on, but she didn't say anything. And you know, we weren't told to not talk about the abuse. Um, the abuse just wasn't discussed. Like it was just happening and nobody was saying anything about it. Um, but the being told to keep your mouth shut was about everything else, right? You don't talk back and this is just how it is. And when my father would say something that I didn't think, you know, was right. And as a child, I, I thought he was just misspeaking, right? I didn't know he was purposely... Um, lying or embellishing. And when I would correct him, you know, yeah, he would tell me to keep my mouth shut or he would kill me. And that was just his normal reaction to get me to be quiet. And so it does silence you. It silences you because you think this is the norm. This is how it's supposed to be. And we're not supposed to talk about it. Um, and that continued for a really long time until I really, you know, came out with this book and I let it all out. Um, and that silence, it it eats away at you. It causes a lot of consequences. And you think, you know, if I just don't talk about it, if I can just push it aside, I can move on, I can get away from the abuse, um, everything will be okay. The, the problem is just, I got to get away from the situation first. But getting away from an abusive situation or getting abuse, uh, getting away from somebody who's hurting you is definitely part one, right? but then you're left with all the consequences that it leaves behind and you then have to take charge and to take, do something about it. Yes. And you also shared about, uh, you know, the first um, sexual uh, molestation experience was from a family members and this happens so much. And uh, beautifully you share that, you know, all the time uh, parents who want to protect their children, they are obviously protecting them from, uh, strangers because they think that it's this stranger that is going to harm their kids. And most of the abuse that has happened, especially sexual molestations, are actually people that are around the family and find um, some space where they will, um, because of the safety of the child, actually have more access to the child. This happened to me. I was also sexually abused from age three to eight by people uh -huh. who were always around our household. And um, it was very interesting that this, you know, the, the secrecy is there. And because you begin this concept with a trust, you also hold the secret of uh, the abuser and not know what, what to do. And you write beautifully, which is like, you know, the, the, the sexual abuse was happening from a family member, but family was actually protecting the family members and the unit uh, of the family versus addressing this issue directly. And with my clients for, you know, I've worked um, with clients who've had also sexually abused with molestation where they've, even when the, the mother or the father wanted to protect their children and went and talked about this in the family, the whole family uproared sometimes and kind of pushed them aside and isolated them. Um, and this is one of the biggest issues that I've also faced. Can you share a little bit about this concept that even 
one thing is the family doesn't deal with it. Another one is that even if they wanted to deal with it, the bigger uh, perspective of, you know, the extended family, the whole unit starts to shut it down, really. Yeah. So the the first molestation, even before, he, you know, I was molested by my dad, it was molested as a very young age with by a cousin who came to live with us at home. Um, and you're right. You know, there's this idea that it's happening by the stranger and you can't walk down the street, but it's actually right here inside your house um, and by people, you know. So with that incident, I did say something. I, I told my sister about it and he was removed from the house. But then that was it. He still got invited over to other family events. I mean, till this day, people still talk to him, celebrate him. My mom gives me updates about what he's doing. And it's like, I don't care. <laughs> um, but that's kind of how it was dismissed. It's like, oh, yeah, that happened. You know, he kind of like spilled a drink on you and kind of move on. Um, you know, we we reprimanded him by telling him to move out. And that really wasn't a solution. So at a very young age, it was like it, it was made to, I believed it didn't matter, right? Like it could happen, but it doesn't really mean anything. And it's not really that big of a deal. Um, with respect to what you were saying, like the family kind of, you know, binding together and um, ignoring it is one thing, but I think they've all suffered some sort of trauma, right? So there's that. But even now, as I'm letting it out and speaking out about it, you know, there's the consequence of not everybody's really happy about it. Um, you know, not everybody in the family is supporting the decision to, you know, publicly announce what went on at home because we have worked hard to keep it a secret and keep the image that everything was fine. Yes. And I think the next abuse that you talk about, um, which is really takes all of the boundaries and breaks it. Because I think that although someone is not a stranger and it's a family member, it's still a different concept when it is a family member that is supposed to protect you, that is supposed to be there for you, that is supposed to be your model. This is a person that you 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 know we run to because they're our God and goddesses, and you know they're supposed to protect us from the world. And when the abuse actually comes from you know our father or our mother or someone you know a sibling or someone who is so close. To, to our, our heart, um, the devastation that happens is that the uh, boundaries all get blurred. And one of the things that you said in your book and shared is you think you are a part of this, although you know, you're a child and you have you don't have no understanding of what is really happening to you. But you kind of get it that this is, doesn't work, that you get it that, you know, there's something is not right. But because this is someone who you're supposed to trust, you bypass these emotions, although they're consistently within you, and you find yourself part of the game almost. You think you're part of the game, although you're not. And then somehow you blame yourself. And I've seen this so long where people who have been um, you know, sexually abused that they hold the shame of the perpetrator. Like, I didn't do anything wrong, but I'm a holding the shame of the other person. And somehow it's as if I'm colluding with this. Or even if, you know, my body is, because someone's touching it, having some experience that could even be pleasurable, but confused with all the other pieces that are not, we find ourselves as if 
I'm the one who's who is the perpetrator, or I'm the one who colluded with this. And this resonates with people for so long and holds their shame inside for so long, which is unfortunate and kind of unfair. Yeah, that's completely right, right? Because I didn't shove the person away. Like I didn't shove my dad away and tell him to stop and announce it to the world. Like I let it happen. I was I was complicit in it. And so I had to carry that shame of allowing it to happen. I took the blame of I allowed it to happen. You know, it wasn't he did anything to me. I allowed it to happen. And because it had happened with my cousin, I was the problem. Like this is just happening to me um, because I am the, you know, the dirty one. And this is the kind of things that happen to a person like me. Um, and so that's exactly right. You carry it, even though you're not the one who did anything wrong. Um, you carry the blame for it. And the other part that I think is really difficult is and confusing is when exactly when it's your father and, you know, he's still part of your life. Like he is still the one paying for, you know, the house and the food and the school, all the stuff. So he's still that role. And it's confusing because he's also the one hurting me. Right. And so you're not sure what to do with it. And even till this day, like, you know, I, I go through therapy and my therapist wants me to be angry at my dad. And I still don't have that like anger because there were still so many parts that he was there, you know, taking care of me. He was just hurting me along the way. And it's sad, but I'm not like raging at him. I mean, he's passed now. So it's also hard to rage at him, but, um, it is very confusing when it's the, the the protector that's the abuser. It's almost like a split, you know, not only we split ourselves, but we also split them. Like there was the good, a good daddy and a bad daddy. And then it becomes me, which I'm good and I'm bad. And something you wrote in your book, you said, you know, I felt gross, but then this feeling of this is gross turned into I'm gross. It felt, and that's where the split kind of happens. And then you also, like you said, you have these experiences which are, no, it doesn't work, like, no. And then you have these ex other experiences with, you know, a father who's kind and caring and so many other things. And it's like, yes. And then you have this yes and no consistently battling the same way within ourselves. We're consistently battling with that. And, that. and my mom, right. And then the other side of it is the other protector, right. Is your mom is telling you that he is wonderful and how ungrateful, you know, I could be for even, you know, saying anything bad about him. So that you're also, you know, gaslit into believing that this is good. You, I have a good life and I should shut my mouth and not complain because so many people have it way worse than me. So kind of get over it. You know, this isn't bad. And so like it, believing that it's not really bad what's happening to you or a problem or something that, you know, you should be, you know, talking about. And sometimes it was, it, it was interesting that once that I shared with my mom, um, uh, because I shared it and it was like, at one point it was like, no, no, you know, kind of minimizing it like you were saying. And then at one point, which I was older and I attempted it because I got it that she can't even handle it. Like she would break if she actually knew the truth. So I would start with, in a way, kind of letting her know like this happens. And it was fascinating that once she told me, um, oh, that's just something that men do. Hey, and then she started laughing and giggling. And I thought, wow, this must have happened to her too. 
because the way she was minimizing this, it's almost like in order for me not to not to be so devastated, I had to make it a normal thing where, haha, this happens all the time, which it doesn't, and it doesn't have to, and it shouldn't. But you could see also like, you know, generational trauma where some person minimizes it, some person just avoids it. Some person just says, okay, I'll take the split. I'm not going to look at the other side, but look at all the good, good sides because I have to in order to survive and you know not destroy all of my future. I have to spill it off and say, the only one, the parts I'm going to look at is the greatness. And that's the only part you should be looking at also. Well, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Um, there's all different methods of how you deal with trauma. And I have a lot of empathy for that. You know, like I'm sure my mom and dad were abused um, in some way when they were young. I don't know their story as to what happened to them, but I'm sure they had a very traumatic childhood. I mean, my mom, you know, had an arranged marriage at 17 and she didn't want a bunch of kids. My dad did. And that was her role. She just had to keep having babies. So I, I have a lot of empathy for her. And when I was a child, you know, I, really thought she, you know, she was one of me, right? She was also, you know, being hurt by my dad. It wasn't until I had my own daughter that I was really mad at my mom because that mother instinct is just, to me, so natural, like to protect your baby or to protect your young. It just naturally comes on you. And I don't feel like my mom ever took a step to protect us, not even just like by, you know, top, you know, opening her mouth to tell my dad to stop. She couldn't even do that. So that one um, hurts. I do have empathy for her and probably all the things she's gone through. Um, but it's hard as a mom to see her silence and experience her silence. Yes. Fire Up, Feeling Triumph from Trauma by Alreen Hayquist. Um, Alreen, you also talked about um, how... Our body holds things, our memory holds things. And although we're trying to understand it, we're trying to reframe it, we're trying to survive it, but there's this part that holds it and copes with it and tries to protect ourselves, you know, in, in one way or another. I remember, um, and I want you to share your story about, you know, your husband and how this thing showed up in your marriage. And I remember that at one point I was dating someone and uh, they held my leg and they were just being playful. And this rage came up and I started kicking them. And he was like, what happened? Like, why are you suddenly like that? And I crawled back in this like wounded animal that was trying to protect herself. And he was there like, I'm, we're just playful here. Like what's going on? And for the first time I looked at what just happened and I got it that my body is always responding as if like, if I couldn't, if I couldn't protect myself from age three to eight, God damn it, I'm going to protect myself now, no matter what, but not any longer realizing that the whole world was not a threat anymore. And I had lost that concept. And I got it that in, as I was reading your um, book, that you really got 
some of this, how it affected you in your relationships as you grew up. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, my husband got the the brunt of it. Um, this was even before I learned about triggers and what trigger triggers meant. But if I thought my husband was being dishonest by the way he looked or the way he said something, or I thought he wasn't protecting me because he didn't, you know, say something when I thought he should have, um, I would rage at him and I would go off. And my switch was like instant. I could be smiling and happy this one moment and like, like an angry beast the next. And I didn't realize it. You know, I didn't know that of myself. I thought I was just like getting mad at him because he was the problem, right? He did whatever he did. And he, if he stopped that, it would be better. And it, we went to couples therapy and it was for the first time, you know, he told me he was scared of me and that it broke my heart. Like I was scared my whole life. I wasn't the scary one. And so to have somebody tell you the person you love that you were scaring them, it really just shocked me. Um, and it kind of, it for the first time I started looking at how it, I must come off, right? Like how my reactions are coming off to him. Um, and so that was, you know, just like it opened my eyes, I should say, of um, recognizing. And it wasn't until later when I started going to therapy about triggering, it wasn't that he was doing anything. It was when I was young and I people were lying to me or when I was young, there was injustice or when um, I was young and my mom wasn't protecting me. It was that rage that was now coming out, you know, in this event um, today. And that was like, it kind of blew my mind. Um, now it's, you know, I've been working through it. But at that time, when I learned that concept of like my subconscious coming out, it was really profound. And it allowed me to um, work on, you know, on this path of working on the trauma that I had as a kid um, to, to be better. Yes. And you, it's also the other side of this where you, took care of yourself. I loved it when you said you didn't make the mess, but you still have to clean it up. And not only you attempted to clean it up for yourself in your psyche, in your body, but you also took that fire, um, you know, which is definitely the name of your book fired up. You took that fire inside and made it into taking a stand for you, taking a stand for women, taking a stand for of justice you became an attorney and your life mission now is to take care of this instead of taking the fire and allowing it to burn you to burn your marriage to burn you as a as a mother with your you know the next generation you took that fire and are, are you're lighting up this concept um you know for your clients when they come to you as an attorney or you know, with your book, sharing to the world of how this transformation can happen. So please share with us how that transformation happened for you. Yeah. So, I mean, I believe like step one is you got to admit that it happened, acknowledge that it happened. And so for me, it was, you know, the start of it, I would say, was when I finally got out of my ab abusive, you know, home um, and I moved away for college. I got to move out to San Diego and I saw my friend journaling and when she was journaling, I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, well, you know, I put in thoughts that I'm not ready to share with other people. And I was like, oh, okay. So all the crap and all the things that, you know, happened to me as a kid, um, 
I just wrote it out in this journal and I just like detailed, you know, everything that had, you know, that was, I guess, circling in my mind. And after that, you know, a few years later, I was like, why am I keeping this thing? And I went to Burning Man and um, burned this journal. And I thought I was done. I got it out. I had burned it. Past is behind me. I'm doing well at school. I have friends. I have a relationship. Like things are great. And I really thought that, you know, my past, I was done with my past and I had moved on and I'd started a new life for myself. But I didn't realize that was just the beginning. Um, because what we were talking about earlier, your, your body keeps score. And I started having all of these physical manifestations, like a bleeding ulcer that just wouldn't stop. And it wasn't through until like I started doing work to heal that. And, and my doctor just kept saying, you need to feel your feelings. And I didn't understand what that meant. Um, and I started doing um, like inner child work where you go back to the time, you know, when I was a child being abused and getting those feelings out. So instead of repressing it and not wanting to feel it, and essentially you're having a bleeding ulcer because your body's like, I need to feel it. Um, going back to that moment to see how I felt, you know, that terrified little child. And once I was able to feel that, you know, the bleeding stopped. And so that was like the next step. Um, and so now, you know, this is like the writing of this book is really, I, I don't say a culmination, but it's definitely a very, you know, advanced step to my healing process because now I'm sharing it, you know, with the world. Um, this is what happened to me, but that's because I am so fired up. Like I need to show people like this, this is what I'm doing because I think it's so important for you to be able to talk about what happened to you so you can heal and live your best life. You're not destined to all of these problems, you know, in your life, either with your body or your relationships or your mental state, like you're not destined for that. There's something that happened, but you need to start acknowledging it and start addressing it, you know, by, you know, taking small steps to talk about it and change that, that thought pattern and um, to, you know, be on a different trajectory essentially. So, yes. And what took you to want to, um, specialize in this area because it seems like that you you took what had happened to you and wanting to now that you know how it ex you know you experience this to take a stand for other women so your practice is really geared toward uh taking care of women it seems yeah. because I can't be silent I mean one of the things that you know I didn't say anything myself when I was little and I saw my sister get abused I mean that crushed me. And I had a lot of regret for that. So it's, you know, as I got to college, I can't help but say something when I see injustice, or I see a woman being abused, or I see somebody who just can't, you know, voice what's going on, I am there for them. So it's really just it became this um, one, it's like a natural ability. But two, it's because I was quiet when I was young, and I'm not going to be quiet anymore. And so, you know, too late to help myself when I was little. Um, but I'm able to help people now. So it's just taking what I wanted to do when I was little and didn't do it as a child and making sure I'm doing it as an adult. So it's just, it's a, it's natural and it's happening because, um, I can't stay quiet anymore. Well, I'm glad you're taking a stand, uh, not only for yourself, but for all the women who are out there and coming to you. 
Um, my experience, uh, um, Alreen, has been, um, and you share with me because you're in this field and I'm not, I just see my clients and I support them to get there and then get to the attorneys. But sometimes I've experienced where, uh, you know, the only kind of like uh, consequence for uh, sexual molestation or even rape is is very minimal by the law, that even if they do uh you know, accept that this is what happened and uh, they've, you know, the guilty <clears throat> uh, position is there. Still, the consequence does not appear that it does a lot of rehabilitation for this group. What is your experience as an attorney with this? So my focus isn't on the person, the abuser. My focus is on the person that has been abused. Um, and And I do civil cases. So the consequence you know, is money. We're, we're getting money um, for the harm that was caused. Um, and for me, my focus is on the, the survivor um, and the empowerment. Like when you stand up for yourself, you know, you are going to feel empowered. Like even just right now for me writing this book, I am taking a stand saying, I am not going to let you win by me staying silent, right? Because the only person that I've been protecting this whole time are the people that abuse me and keeping that secret and that trauma, even though it was at a detriment to me and what was going on in my body and my life. And so that same concept for women to step forward and stand up for themselves, it's the empowerment that I'm working towards. And I've seen it in every case that I handle, women are more empowered by standing up for themselves. I'm not saying it's easy, which is again, why I'm on this journey with you of writing this book and letting it out and talking to you on this podcast. I understand it is not easy. Um, and But how you are after and how better off you are after, that I can promise you. And that I've seen in every single case. So again, I, I it's hard to say what the consequences should be um, for the people that abuse you because the, your consequences are forever, right? I don't think there's going to ever really be a punishment or a consequence that will make up for what happened to you because you have to live with it for the rest of your life, you know? And I think the most important thing, which you also alluded to in your book, same as like the Me Too movement, a lot of it has to do is to change the culture to change the culture that that even is okay, or that we do need to shut up about it, or we need to have, you know, minimal uh, concept about it, or we could just laugh at it and say, you know, oh, well, but no, it's not an oh, well. So every case that you support and empower, it's not only for that person and their family, but it's also for the bigger picture, that the more that we talk about this, the more that we take a stand, the more that we take um, you know, stand uh, the 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 societal stand, the civil stand, the criminal stands, whatever it is that we're taking a stand and bringing this out and educating the world about this and saying it's not okay and it's it it needs to stop. And for the people that this happens to, that they can find themselves that they don't turn this is gross or uh, this is happening to me. To you know, I am something. I'm bad. I'm gross. I'm part of it. I'm colluding. So they can. System, systematically kind of like uh, separate these two and get it that, you know, they're beautiful. Everything about them is great. It's just, yes, an incident happened and they need to deal with it and really, um, uh, you know, shift the trauma inside of themselves into the empowerment that they can have and they should have. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I was blown away. I, you know, again, 
I used to think I was all alone because it had just happened to me. And so in doing the work that I do, you know, I learned the stats that, and this is, this is low. I think it's higher because there's underreporting, but it says half the women have been sexually assaulted at some point in their life. That blew me away. I'm like, half of us have been sexually assaulted and we're not talking about it. And there's, again, so much shame associated with it. And I think the only way we're going to change the stats is because we start talking about it. We stop the silence. We stop saying this isn't happening to all of us. And we start talking about it. So those numbers don't exist when, you know, when my daughter's growing up. Yes. And this happens a lot also, not only in childhood with, you know, such as your story or my story, but I, you know, work with a lot of uh, college students, which has the highest level of also sexual assault from their peers. Yeah. Drug raping or just, you know, being out and, you know, uh, taking advantage or bullying or any of it. So you can see that this is something that just continues, um, you know, as you grow up. And if you don't know how to take care of yourself, if you don't know, um, you know, how to take a stand for yourself, um, that this this really um, devastates you. I work with people who are uh, college students where, yes, at one point they said yes to just going out or drinking and, um, you know, even being in the same vicinity with the person, but they never said okay to being raped under influence. And, uh, but because they were there and they said yes to drinking and going to someone's house because they thought they're just going to have, you know, a party, um, that they blame themselves for the whole thing. And they think that I caused this and all of this. And even when they go to their family, their family is constantly now coming back where, see, we told you, you shouldn't have gone, you shouldn't have done this. And, you know, it's your own fault that you got yourself into. And the person sits with this pain of this was my fault. I did this to myself versus no, you said yes to this part of it. You never said yes to the other part of it. And yes, we could look at, you know, you know, risky behaviors, but uh, this wasn't even a risky behavior. You're all peers, you're all going to the same, you know, college and you think you're safe. And then suddenly there's a, there's a harm that is happening. And usually the person takes it upon themselves and says, because I put myself, it's, it's almost like getting into and somebody smashing you, your car and saying, well, just because I decided to drive today, obviously it's my fault that I got into, you know, my car got smashed. Yeah, and that's a no, it's a no. Tired of victim blaming. Just because you went out and you had a drink, that does not mean that's permission for somebody to rape you. And that's not permission for them to take advantage of you. So that dialogue needs to change. You know, I don't know why it switches over to, it's the woman's fault for being in the place she was at, as opposed to let's see how this person acted um, knowing in the situation they were in, when they knew they said no, knew they didn't want it, knew they didn't consent to it. Um, so I just think it's, you know, changing the dialogue. And I think that requires us women um, or the people that have been abused to start talking about it and knowing that we're not alone, like having, you know, yes. friends um, in our circle to have that conversation with. Yes. And even the clothing of, of women, oh, you're wearing this clothes, then you must be inviting it and you must want it. And that's why. And it's like, no, you can walk naked on the street and it doesn't give anybody right. the right. So then are going to start blaming the people who sold the clothes to you too? You know, it's their fault. I mean, just like, no, let's, let's get some responsibility on the people, you know, 
doing the behavior. Yes. Fired up, everyone. Healing Triumph from Trauma by Alreen Hayquist. Alreen, anything we haven't shared that you really want people to know? I would say don't wait. You know, life is short. You know, we have finite lives. And so don't wait to take action to um, get yourself in the place you want to be to live your best life. Where can they find you? Um, I have a website. It's Alreen, A-L-R-E-E-N.com. And they can get a free introduction of my book there as well if they're interested. Beautiful. Thank, Thank you. How much. Thank well, you. Thank you for having me again. I really enjoyed our conversation. Absolutely. And where are you? And what is that beautiful city behind you? San Diego. Beautiful San Diego. Yeah, it never yeah. gets old. Yes, it is. <laughs> well, again, thank you for taking the time to be here. And for all of you who are out there, create an amazing life for yourself and everyone around you. And until next week, take good care of yourself and bye-bye. Break free from the forces holding you back. Get the life you deserve. Eliminate stress, reduce anxiety, decrease depression, and start living your full potential. Thousands have used Dr. Fujian Zane's Awareness Integration Theory, an evidence-based behavioral health breakthrough with incredible life-changing results. Getting rid of past trauma, having fulfilling relationships, increasing earnings, and living their best life. Now, the Fujian app is available to everyone. The app is Dr. Fujian Zane's Awareness Integration Theory in the palm of your hand. Download the Fujian app today.